Well, hello, everybody. I just want to start off with a story. A couple days ago, we had um, James Dawson, uh, who's at the back of the room, and his lovely wife, Callan, over for dinner. Um, at our place, we haven't caught up with them together as a couple for quite some time. And uh, so, yeah, we invited them over. They came, and it was lovely. Um, my girls uh, love James in particular because uh, several times during the week, my wife is here and uh, on Tuesday, she's here at Bible study. Wednesday, she comes to the, uh, the play group that happens here. And usually, after they're done, they'll come in the offices and, and say hi to me before they go home for lunch or whatever. But my girls actually don't really hang out with me because they want to go hang out with James. Uh, and James will always stop whatever he's doing, and he'll just play with them. He'll chase them around, and they just, like, cackle themselves like crazy kids. Uh, they love it. And so when I told um, Hope and Ellie that... James and Callan were coming over for dinner, it was like the best news they could have ever received. It was like they got a ticket to Disneyland, essentially. Uh, And so for the next few days, my oldest daughter, in particular, Ellie, uh, went around and she just had to tell everybody that James was coming over for dinner. So she went to her school and all her little school friends who have no idea who James is, my friend James, he's coming over for dinner. Isn't that exciting? They're like, what are you even talking about? Right? She would tell her sister Hope, who already knew the news. She would tell me, Daddy, in two days, James is coming over. Isn't this? I'm like, I invited him. I know he's coming. All right? But she would just have to, like, it would just keep coming out of her. She was so excited. The day before uh, they were due to come over, Ellie woke up, and she was, she was really sick. She had this bad cold and was wheezing and looked miserable. And I just said to her, look, you're, I don't think you're well enough to go to school. You just need to stay home and rest today. And she was quite upset about that because she likes going to school. Uh, and so she was kind of tearing up a little bit. And I was like, look, Ellie, I know you're sad, but sometimes when we get sick, we can't do all the things that, that we want to do. We need to sit and rest. And as I said that to her, her face contorted even more, and she got even more upset. And then she said, does that mean James isn't going to come over to play with me? And I said, well, you know, hopefully he'll still come over, but you just need to chill out. But it's like the worst, most devastating news she could have ever heard. Fortunately, she got better. James and Callan came over. They all played, had a great time. And then even afterwards, she's been going around saying, my friend James came over last night, and it was awesome. We played, and we got dizzy, and we did all kinds of stuff. It was like she couldn't contain herself. It was like the best news ever. Now... Uh, We read earlier, Kit read for us earlier, this passage from Luke chapter 5. If you want to open your Bibles to that passage, uh, this is where we're going to be focused this morning. Verse 27, uh, we read about a guy named Levi. Levi is a tax collector, we are told. Um, Jesus sees Levi in the distance, sitting there, doing his job, and says to him, follow me. Levi immediately gets up. Uh, He leaves his business behind, and he follows Jesus. Now, just picture this for a moment, if this happened to you today. You're sitting there at work, uh, or at uni, or at home, or wherever you are. You're out in the the neighborhood, uh, and some guy approaches you, comes up to you, and says, Hey, follow me. Most of us, if that, if that ever happened to us, like, who, what? No, who are you, right? I, I don't know who you are, creep, like, wh- whatever. And besides, I, I'm doing something. I'm, I'm in the middle of something. I have responsibilities. I have a job I need to do. I have a, something I need to get accomplished or somewhere I'm going after this. Look, I, I don't really have time. Who, who are you anyway? What kind of crazy person would just 
get up and leave everything behind and follow some random, right? This is what I think, anyway, if this were to happen to me. It's a strange picture if you think about it in those terms, isn't it? But let's uh, put ourselves in Levi's shoes for a moment. As we read, Levi is a tax collector. His job was to collect taxes from ordinary citizens and give that money to the government. There's nothing strange about that. We do that as citizens here in this country. Um, Except in that time and place, tax collectors were one of the most hated groups of people. Uh, And there's three reasons for that. Uh, Firstly, they weren't just simply collecting money and giving it to any government, but they were collecting taxes and giving this money to the Roman government, which at the time was this foreign, oppressive government who had come into Judea and subjugated its people. Uh, A modern equivalent, we might think, if we were living in the Middle East or whatever, if ISIS came into our city and took over our city and then forced us to pay taxes to them. Uh, or receive the consequences, right? And so you're, you're paying the bad guys. So that's, that's not a good thing. Which leads us to our second point, why tax collectors were, uh, were hated. Levi is not just a tax collector. You see, by doing that, he's actually a traitor. He's taken a job where he is knowing, uh, he knows that he is taking money from his own people, and he's giving it to their hated enemy. What kind of sick person would do something like that? that to turn their back on their own people, their own country, and give it uh, willingly to uh, your oppressor. You're willingly taking this job uh, for someone that has it out for your people. What kind of person would do something like that? And thirdly, uh, because uh, Romans didn't often pay um, tax collectors very much, these tax collectors would then sort of take a cut on top of what you actually owed them. And so, uh, so that they could sort of have more for themselves. So if, say, for example, you owed uh, the government 20% of your income or your crops or whatever uh, method that you had uh, for, for paying people or whatever monetary system you used, uh, you would then go to Levi, uh, someone like Levi, and you'd have to pay him that 20%, except he would say, actually, you, need, you owe me 30%. Um, he'd take that extra 10% off the top and take that for himself to pad his own pockets. And if you didn't pay, if you thought that was unfair or whatever, there's not really anything you could do about it because Levi could just then go and contact the Roman army. He would um, extract it from you in a less pleasant way. There was nothing you could do about it. You put all this together, and Levi was, in that society, kind of the scum of the earth. Uh, Not many people would want to associate themselves with a man like this. Uh, He is someone to be excluded, avoided, ridiculed, and hated. And if you zoom out a little bit, if that's how people felt about him, what would, uh, in that society, is always wondering, you know, what God is thinking, what God is doing. How How would a holy God think about a man like this? Think of the labels that would be applied to him. Sinner. Uh, enemy of God. Betrayer of the promise. Unrighteous. Tainted. Evil. Well, someone then comes along, a rabbi comes along, a teacher, a man who the crowds are, are whispering about. We think this man could be a prophet more than a prophet. Could, could this man be the Messiah, the one that God is sending into the world to make things right again? Could that, could that be this man? Well, that man that these people are whispering about stops right in front of your tax booth. He looks at you. He sees everything you are. He sees what you've been doing, he sees what you are sitting there currently doing. He has caught you out. You're, you're stuck doing the thing that you know you're not supposed to be doing, this unrighteous, traitorous, sinful act. 
But instead of condemning you, instead of judging you, instead of ignoring you, he smiles at you. And he extends his hand to you and he says, follow me. He, unlike everyone else in this world, is offering you something that you thought you could never have. Life, love, forgiveness, a, a meaning, a, a new start. Everything you've ever dreamed of and more, uh, of course you would go. Right? You would be crazy, actually, not to go if you were him. So Levi, without a, a glance back, stands up. He leaves everything, uh, everything he was and everything he was doing behind. He, just, he leaves it all. Because he knows what's ahead of him is, is better, it's brighter, it's more vibrant. There's, there's no turning back. But this story continues. In verse 29, Levi does something very intentional. The next thing Levi does is he throws a party. Uh, and why wouldn't you? Because Jesus has come. He's changed everything. I'm no longer the same. I've been set free. This demands a celebration. But to see, it's not just a party for one. But he cannot help but invite all his friends who are in the same boat that he was. Uh, the tax collectors, the sinners as they're called, he he invites them to come meet Jesus. People who are on the fringes who have been told by people and the religious folk who speak in God's name that they're never going to be good enough, that they're irredeemable, unforgivable, unlovable. He, Levi invites them along because he's, well, he's been given the best news of his life and he can't keep it to himself. He sees the world differently. I have people in my life who need what I've just found. So come and meet the one who has changed everything. Maybe he can change you, too. And Jesus is someone who loves to mingle with the lost, the broken, the messed up. And he says to them, I'm, I'm here for you. That's how the end of this little section ends. And Levi knows this. He wastes no time. Um, he's just met Jesus. He doesn't know anything about him. He hasn't been to a church before. He's never been to Bible college. He's never, you know, he, he doesn't know anything. All he knows is Jesus has spoken two words to him. That's all he knows. And he's new to this whole faith thing, but none of it really matters. He doesn't feel like I have to go through this course or do any of this stuff because I'll tell you that I found what I've been looking for and that's all I need, so come and find it too. We may think, okay, well, that's a really nice story, right? That's a really great story, Travis, but what, is, what does this story have to do with me? Well, everything. It has everything to do with you, actually. See, you and I are no different than Levi. Uh, we are broken, lost, unable to make our situation any better, unable to stand before a holy God, and you and I live in that sort of experience every single day, that things aren't as they should be. I am not as I should be. And uh, as, as much as I want to try to change the world, let alone myself, I struggle to do it. And as good as a person as I attempt to be, uh, I still struggle, I still hurt, I still long for something, something more, something better, but I'm stuck. I'm a wretch. See, but then Jesus changes everything when he enters in. Uh, like with Levi, he extends a hand to you and I, he smiles and he says, follow me. He invites us into his life, into his love, into this freedom, this transformation that we can actually be different, feel different, think differently. And many of you have actually experienced this in your life as you follow Jesus. That you're, you're not the same anymore. And despite what comes your way, you've actually found a joy and a peace that endure. Nothing's going to take that away. 
So if that's true, if we've really sort of understood and embraced that reality that Jesus has invited us into, then you would think we would naturally look a lot more like Levi. See, my daughter Ellie could not help but tell everyone around her that James was coming over for dinner because that was the best news there was for this little girl. One of her big friends is coming over and he's going to play and it's fun and I have to let every single person know, regardless of whether they want to listen to me or not, I'm going to tell people. And actually, not letting people know is negligent. I'm failing at delivering this exciting news if I keep my mouth shut. I'm doing something wrong. Now, you think about it, and we actually have, all of us have that element inside of us. That when we get excited about someone or something impacts us in a big way, it actually oozes out of us. When you think about the things that you light up when you talk about, it, it's usually something that you think is good news. It just pours out of you, right? So when you get the promotion at work, when you get the HSC result that you wanted, when that guy or that girl that you've had your eye on finally says yes to you asking them not, remember that, remember that feeling? That, that was a good feeling, right? When they say yes to you, when the doctor hands you a picture of a weird-looking alien and says, guess what, you're pregnant. When your team wins, when you've found a sweet deal on something, when you've just come back from an epic holiday, when your kids do incredible things, or even ordinary things, but they're your kids, so you think they're incredible anyway, when you get your peas, when you see an awesome movie, uh, the first thing you want to do is tell people about it. It's what we do. We are programmed to act this way. Uh, and if you ever thought about why Facebook and Instagram exist, that's the reason. They are only platforms for us to share good news on. So if you ever wonder why you're looking at a Facebook post or whatever, and why your friend, you're forced to look at your friend, uh, some picture of your friend, uh, a hamburger that he's eating. You're like, why am I having to look at this? I don't care about your food, right? Why am I having to stare at a, a photo of your food? Well, that might not be good news to you, but it's certainly good news to that person who's about to eat this juicy hamburger that's sitting right in front of them, and they cannot help themselves but tell other people about it, regardless of what you think, because we are programmed to share good news. Now, we've been talking about what it looks like for us as God's family to be on mission to make disciples and as you see in Levi's life, making disciples, inviting people to meet Jesus, isn't some arduous task that you have to do to earn God's favor. Um, it's actually just the natural overflow of a life that's been transformed. Wait, God, you've, you've loved me, you've chosen me, you've a messed up wretch of a sinner like me, and you've put your spirit in me? That's, that's amazing. So being someone who takes Jesus' love seriously means like Levi, you simply can't go back to normal everyday life. It doesn't, that doesn't make sense anymore. But instead, you want to be intentional and infectious, that you've received the best news ever. To see the relationships around you as opportunities to invite people to discover the, the, the party that Jesus is throwing is incredible privilege. But you know what? We often separate those things out, right? We go to church or... Bible study, and we have, well, there's our Christian friends over there, but then we have our work friends over here, and our rugby friends over here. These are my schoolmates, and uh, I'll share Jesus with those people in church, because, you know, I, that's fun. I like doing that. That's easy, but everywhere else, I'm, I'm going to keep it to myself. And if that's you, and I think that's true of many of us, then we are suffering from one of two problems. One... Either you don't really believe it's good news at all, if you're keeping it to yourself, or 
You thought it was good news at some stage in your life, but it's not really good news now. It's just news. It doesn't make much of a difference in your life anymore, and certainly you don't think it'll make a difference in anyone else's life. You're not, it's not exciting anymore. If that's you, you're missing out on the party. You're actually sitting back in your tax booth again. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be someone who's content to live my life that sort of way. Uh, that when it's all said and done, and I stand before Jesus, and I have to say, you know what, I'm, God, I'm sorry that I didn't think what you did for me was worth sharing with anyone. Um, that I would be ashamed if that's how my story ended. We all, all of us, every one of us, share good news about something. It's true, we do. And if I really believe deep down like Levi, I've gone from unloved to loved, forgotten to forgiven, broken to beautiful. Shouldn't I uh, want to share that with everyone, to invite those around me uh, to discover that too? See, Levi was changed by Jesus, and he turned around and he looked at the people in his life, my friends, my fellow sinners or whatever, differently. And so he threw a party so that these friends could perhaps find what they're looking for too. And unless you live in a cave, I don't know if anyone lives in a cave here, maybe. Uh, unless you live in a cave, most likely you interact with at least one other person throughout the course of your day. Maybe it's just one. Most of us, that number would be about 10 or 20 people that we see, that we talk to, that we chat with, that we hang out with throughout the course of an average day. All of whom are, uh, are actually looking for some good news to hold on to. Which is why when you show someone a video of a squirrel water skiing, everybody lights up because they think that's good news. But we actually have something that's better than that, right? Jesus wants to transform you and send you with joy to share him. Levi's perspective was different. These people around me are just waiting to be invited to some sort of party to be included. And I hold in my hand the best invitation to the best party ever. And I know that it's not even really me doing the inviting. It's God's spirit working in me. I just have to show up and say, all right, God, what are you going to do? The question is, do you and I really believe that it's good news? If we do, it's time to be intentional about how we invite those around us to the Jesus party. To get out of your tax booth, to smile and extend your hand out to those you see every day and say, follow me. And I have this challenge that I've set for myself lately, and I'm going to put it before you as well. Because if you're anything like me, you get really overwhelmed. You have a number of relationships. You don't know where to start. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to pray for. So I've just decided, God, uh, that's overwhelming. I just want to start with one. I want to find one person, and I'm going to start praying for that person. But more than that, I'm going to, I'm going to ask God's Spirit to help me answer this question. What am I going to do this week to intentionally love this person with the love of Jesus? Maybe it's inviting them over for a meal. Maybe it's asking them questions and resonating and dissonating and sharing the gospel as we talked about last week. Maybe it's um, not settling for superficial conversation with that person anymore. Maybe it's um, offering to pray with them or read the Bible with them. Um, maybe it's, yeah, asking the Spirit just to open up some door and waiting for Him to work. It doesn't really matter. Um, but it matters what we're actually choosing to do. See, I'm tired of being one of those people when I get together with other Christians in a church or Bible study. And someone asks me, what can you be praying for? I say, well, I want you to pray for this person uh, that you know, needs to know Jesus and needs to grow in their relationship with Jesus anymore. 
But then I walk away and I don't actually do anything. I don't further pray for that person. Um, I don't actually ask the Holy Spirit to help me to reach out to that person. I just expect magically God to transform that person without me actually having to do anything. And we know God does do stuff like that all the time. But sometimes I think God's saying, look, I've given you the invitation. I've given you my spirit. You have all you need. All you need to do is be obedient. We have this awesome invitation that God has given us. What are we going to do with it? 